Welcome to the Columbus Area.Church podcast. Encouraging and uniting the Church of Columbus with host Adam Ward. Well, hello, listeners. We're trying something new today. I want to welcome you to episode 55 of the Columbus Area Church podcast. This is the first time that I have streamed this live from Facebook. So we'll see how everything goes and if it works well. I'm not the best extemporaneous speaker. See? Exactly. And... I just want to make sure that I can cover the topics that I have chosen, the stuff that I've written down. And today is really going to be about a reflection from March 13th when Governor DeWine, uh, it was the last day that bars and restaurants were open until yesterday when he announced that society will begin to be reopened starting the first half of May here in the state of Ohio. So what I did is I thought, well, you know, I'll go raw. I'll go unedited. I'll jump online, uh, do a Facebook live. I'll take that video, uh, rip the audio out from it and post it at episode 55. So I wanted to cover a bunch of different areas. If if you listen to the two episodes where I was in, where my dad interviewed me, you know I wear a bunch of hats. And I want to look at the COVID crisis and what has happened uh, personally uh, as a Christian, as an influencer, um, reflections as a business owner, uh, reflections as a consultant. And then, you know, what what are some of the things the themes that I saw, the things that the themes that are happening in society, and then most important to me, what is the body of Christ doing differently now that the crisis is here, as uh, in, as opposed to before the crisis? And are there any challenges or things that we can do uh, m- moving ahead? So the first one when I sat down to make some notes from this was, okay, I'm an introvert. And when they said that we need to go into isolation, my first response was great. Uh, That's actually where I feel the safest and I feel the most comfortable. Um, You know, I enjoy uh, time being distanced from people, but even as an introvert, it started to feel hollow two, three weeks into the shutdown. And it was tough uh, maintaining relationships, not because I wasn't on Zoom calls or or webinars or, you know, still having phone calls and meetings with people, but because the normal venues in which I operated were extremely different. So, for instance, my entire life, Sunday morning, I have been in a church. And it's been very odd for me to not wake up and go into a church on Sunday morning, not see the people um, that I consider my closest tribe uh, following my, you know, my belief system and our, our worldview on topics. But then also that the workplace has changed and all of the committees and boards and other teams that I work and represent 
there were no face-to-face meetings anymore. And instead it was my picture up on the Zoom screen or my image up on the Zoom screen and or me, you know, talking to someone or 15 other people, reliving all of the teleconference, early teleconference days of people figuring out the technology. And so, number one, just thinking how extroverts who are empowered and love to see people and to be around people, how are they doing and what is with them? And I can't imagine having been an extrovert during these these weeks. And some of you who are out there now, and my wife is an extrovert, my mother-in-law is an extrovert, and my son uh, is an extrovert, and I know that their need for social interaction is much higher. And if you're risk group, if you're in one of the risk groups, then you needed to not be around people. And so I just thought, you know, if I'm being impacted, a lot of people have to be impacted. So that that's the first thing. And I just want to mention that and throw that out there. As a small business owner, it has been extremely stressful uh, during this time. Fortunately, my business was labeled as an essential business. We are a cleaning business. We did have, we still do have chemicals that um, have been approved to kill COVID virus and other viruses. And even still, even though we took precautions, safety glasses, use gloves, don't use gloves, have a mask, um, don't touch your face with em- with employees, um, about two-thirds of our business disappeared instantly. Um, I can look at the week of March 16th was going to be a record-setting week for us, and then it ended up being a steep decline uh, to the point where we had only a small fraction of the customers that we had originally had. And, of course, I'm thinking about my employees. You know, what do I do with them? I was thinking about uh, the ministry we support, the refuge. Um, Tom Thompson, who was on one of the early episodes of this podcast, has a work partnership program where we can have members from the refuge come work for us, and we pay to support uh, the refuge uh, an hourly rate based on their time. Uh, so, you know, there's ministry implications on how do we ensure that uh, we continue to support that ministry? Also, capital became thin. Um, you know, what do we do with with cash flow? I was actually surprised the level of stress that I had impacted um, impacting from my from the business. And my son's the office manager, and he does the bulk of the work for that, but still I was feeling a tremendous amount of pressure. I'm pushing back on the national franchise who wanted to continue to to throw tons at marketing. And I was in, uh, you know, let's save cash. Let's be smart about our, our, our money. And we had no leads coming in. So there's just a lot of stress around that as a business owner. Um, 
You know, as a person, I, I felt my weaknesses and the desires that I would have as a human increased. Um, I felt like I became a less improved version of myself. Um, I, I have a tendency to um, be critical, uh, to get angry, and I felt the magnification of that over the weeks. And that was... Um, that was tough. If I look at fundamentally who I am at my core, I am a discerner um, and, and one who can see, not just see what's happening, but see how it can be improved. And for 25 years, I've been in roles where creating the future and creating better was actually what I did. Um and so I continue now as a coach for the Ohio State's Master of Business and Operational Excellence program. Uh, I have a consulting business that in innovation and in operational excellence, uh, change management. And so the crisis was an overstimulation of flaws for me. You know, I'm the type of person that walks into a, a restaurant or a business and immediately sees the inefficiencies and says, if we just did this, if we just did this. And that's from decades of, of improving it. And, and, and to me, it, it got so much that it felt like a weight of depression on me. And I, I wouldn't say depression itself because they're several symptoms that weren't with depression, but it was an overstimulation of flaws that was going through Adam's filter, uh, my eyes. I, I felt like I was wearing the ring from Lord of the Rings, and I could see all of these crazy things that uh, perhaps some of you could see, uh, but perhaps some of you couldn't see. And um, I what happened as a result of that is I had a desire to distance myself from those that I considered the most flawful. Now that they play on words that flaw and awful. Um, but, um, and, and, and it wasn't that what was happening was awful. It was that I could see how tiny tweaks or changes of messaging or, if we had just considered this, things would uh, would have been better. Um, I'll get into that a little bit more here in a little bit. Um, I probably played online video games too much. That, you know, and I definitely have gaming as a part of my regular um, standard work for my life. And the reason is, is that allows me... A, a creative outlet. It allows me to um, to also see what's happening out there, um, to have an to have entertainment without it being you know without it controlling me. 
but then also seeing the satisfaction by achieving levels, um, having, having the community around uh, you for that. So I think um, all of us probably had some areas like that, that we spent a little bit too much time. Of course, the jokes are going all the way around the Internet about watching everything that Netflix had to offer and being bored with Netflix. And it was cool just to see out, out my window here, to, you know, as I sit in my office, how many people would go by the window on bikes that I'd never seen before in my neighborhood. Um, people playing, you know, tennis in the street or skateboards or, you know, families just in the yard because they were bored with all of the electronic options. Um, the weather had been horrible for the bulk of the quarantine here in Ohio. We've only had a handful of, of decent days. And I think that also contributed to um, the overstimulation of flaws. So I, I want to talk a little bit, three-prong uh, approach to my reflection as a person of faith. I, I want to look at it from a Christian perspective, uh, from a perspective of uh, Adam as an influencer, and then um, as as a just as a person in, in kind of um, what I'm seeing uh, going on around me from from a faith perspective. Um, I got to be honest, sleeping in Sunday morning was probably one of the greatest pleasures. I I, I just have never known what that what that is. Um, and it, it's been nice to roll out of bed at, you know, 10 o'clock and uh, keep pajamas on and, and still be able to, to watch an online uh, version of the face to face and and not have to get dressed and drive or, or, or spend an entire morning or day there. Um, but personally, my routine became messy. And, you know, I very uh, typically have my quiet time in the morning, um, get my, you know, my Bible reading done, uh, my meditation time done. And then I have the rest of the day uh, to, to do other things. And I, I felt out of my routine by not having a natural rhythm to what I was doing, by going from completely disciplined to partly disciplined um, with some areas of life completely unstructured. Uh, I, I felt like it was it was tough for me to maintain my spiritual routine, my um, and then also my personal health routine, which definitely contributes to the to the spiritual element. You know, YouVersion, which is the app I use uh, to read the Bible, it tracks the number of days uh, that you've read the Bible in a row. And I don't know, it's probably somewhere around 100 days. And then COVID hit, and I think I've reset that. <laughs> That that day counter probably five or six times over the past six weeks, um, just starting over, and and that's not good. Um, I have been involved with um, prayer calls for a number of months, and and when everything is calls, it doesn't. It seems like just another call. 
so I found that I wasn't enjoying um, another phone call during the week. And it's not that I didn't have a bunch of phone calls, but when the face-to-face meetings were replaced with calls, um, it became difficult. So personally, you know, I was unable to, I think my spiritual growth during this time, um, I don't know if it necessarily went backwards, but I felt the effects of it, um, they they were magnified. And I, as I look at it as an influencer, and I look at the state of Ohio, the city of Columbus, and I look at it relative to the nation, I had a bunch of themes that I saw. And one of the things that in my area of professional expertise is what the industry would call voice of the customer or what is it that they want? And typically what we find is a customer can articulate about half of what they want at the maximum. The other half, they don't know. They only know what unmet needs are being met, how it feels and what the closest thing that they think can answer that problem is. Um, And when we look at the COVID crisis across the world, across the United States, every country handled it differently. Um, Every state here in the United States um, handled it differently. And then we had the local impacts. Um, When I would go into a store in one area compared to a store in another area, I would see the impact. of just the variation from it. So in Ohio, when we shut down on March 23rd, we were the third, fourth state to do that in the whole United States. And not all of the states in the U.S. even did that. And so when I would talk to colleagues from other states, some of them were shutting down their state. Some of them were like, hey, we're good. I don't know what you're talking about. This is just, you know, it's very different. Um, and and some of them were delayed. It'd be a day after Ohio or a week after Ohio. And so we quickly learned that the federal guidance was much less important than the state guidance. And Governor DeWine instituted a daily 2 p.m. briefing, uh, giving us the latest on what was happening in the state. And... Uh, what we can expect, what's happening medically, eventually what, you know, what's happening from a, a business perspective. And that 2 p.m. Um, broadcast on the Ohio channel or on their Facebook channel became very important in, in all areas. And I, I was surprised at the number of churches that stayed open longer than um, than the government was recommending um, just to, to get maybe to think it was only going to be a week or two and we could get through that. But uh, of course, a lot of the stuff we didn't know, what proximity, how it was, how it was transmitted. And 
I was kind of sad to see that we would default towards protecting the local brand, um, that we would default towards protecting the existing model instead of thinking about our role in supporting government decisions and not our role as what constitutional right we have. Um, and then now, even as I, as I look into May uh, and the, the, the governor will not be opening any places that have mass gatherings, still recommending that to be 10 uh, in, this, in the secular arena, um, that there's a tendency in the local churches to, to want to open sooner rather than later. Um, I was fortunate enough to be invited uh, to participate in the Joseph Council, and that's a statewide council of um, religious leaders um, run by uh, citizens um, for community values. Uh, Ruth McNeil was on the podcast several weeks ago. And the, the tremendous pressure that churches are under to open uh, financially from a rhythm standpoint, um, from their people feeling isolated, uh, is, is, is super, super high. Just like for the business leaders who want to get their businesses open. And, um, and I think what a tremendous opportunity we have right now to lead by example. And instead of flaunting our constitutional right, what what is it that that we could be doing to stand out and to help society? I saw a lot of things on social media uh, shirts that would say the church has left the building, and I I was very happy to see churches all across Columbus um, to partner with food pantries uh, to run food drives. Um, you know, Stowe Mission or Western Area um, Resource Ministry, um, the Dream Center. Uh, there are plenty of, of food pantries that, that the churches were able to con to go out and volunteer for. I had Madison McHale Bush on the podcast a couple of weeks ago with her app, the Point app, which literally points you directly to volunteer opportunities that are happening right now. And if, if, I, if I reflect on where society was, where we were immediately thrown into, and then the body that was most able to help it was the church. And I felt like the percent of volunteer hours um, was shifted fairly highly into producing online services as opposed to pushing them out into the community. And because there's, it's tough to monitor uh, hundreds of, of churches real time, I could only go with ones I was close to, but then also watching the social media feed for about 150 of them. And I think we, we still have a tremendous opportunity 
to mobilize our constituents, our members, and our attendees to go from serving as ushers to volunteering in the food bank, to volunteering with human trafficking, to volunteering with, with the homeless. Um, there, there are innumerable amounts of chances for us to go help right now. And just this morning, I was at my church helping with a, a food drive for the Dream Center um, for tomorrow. And two of the volunteers I was working with are brand new to Columbus, um, brand new to our church, and they were just wanting to get in, get involved and, and do something. And I think, you know, as I saw driver after driver coming into the church parking lot and dropping off food, uh, it, it encouraged me to see how many people are out there that actually want to do something, that are looking for the leadership to say, here's an opportunity that we see. Here's something that we can meet right now. And here's something that we can do um, something very practical about. Now, I know a lot of people's income sources are cut off. And a lot of people were, were living with zero margin. Um, don't have extra in the bank. Um, unable uh, to, to, to do anything extra. But, but those people have time right now. And for those who, who do have margin or uh, like several of my neighbors, um, this this has actually been a huge boom for them in telecom and IT and uh, the healthcare world. And they, they actually have more cash than they had than when COVID started and, and uh, may not have the time, but they have uh, ability to donate and give and do stuff. And so what I'd like to do as is Christian leaders to challenge you to push your people to get into volunteer opportunities. There isn't something that we could do more easily right now than that. And I wanted to read uh, a quote. I, you know, I listened to a lot of podcasts and I had, uh, you know, I've been on a lot of webinars uh, nationally and led some here uh, in Columbus but I was listening to one on the Kerry Newhoff podcast, and it was with Ken Costa. And it's a church leader. He's an investment banker who is also a major Christian influence in the U.K. and internationally. And he was talking that the churches will have a complete run of the airwaves because of Hollywood shutting down, because of sports shutting down. Um, and that what will the church do? And that it could be the formative experience of our generation. And Carrie asked him and said, well, what are you doing differently at your church than what you were doing beforehand? Because everyone's going online. Everyone's a televangelist. And he said, honestly, we had to go with something that was shorter, something that had a quicker pace, and it had a different format than the actual service. And, and Kerry asked him and said, well, why are you doing that? And he said, because the audience has expanded dramatically from those people who would actually be in the service. And we had to produce something that would reach that audience. Um, and it, it's ironic that it was shorter and faster, because if you think about church services, you never think about short and fast Um and then just 
the the different elements that can be incorporated into an online service and the things that we can ask people to do this next week. Uh, you know, there's been so many memes that have gone around on, you know, on all the social media. And uh, there's this one on 1049 The River, their Facebook page. And I just wanted to give a shout out to them, Dan Boffman and Dave Stevens and some of the other leaders over there um, for what you're doing and what you're about to do um, and, and plugging. And they have about a quarter million, quarter million followers on Facebook. And they had this uh, great social media person who puts these great memes together. But says, I did a... I did a load of pajamas so that I would have work clothes this week. <laughs> and, um, but when we think about this opportunity when people are watching an online service, how do we get them from pajamas to clothes? How do we get them from listening to acting? And a lot of these people are sitting there waiting to do something. Um, we have a good idea on how it's spread now. We know if that we maintain social distancing, we know if we wash our hands, if we cover our face, that there's a low percentage that we're actually going to get um, the, the virus. And we, we also know that those of you who are in high-risk categories, um, those of you who have asthma or over the age of 60 or chronic kidney disease, uh, some of these other factors, that you shouldn't be doing this. But we know that there is a whole host of millennials, uh, healthy people, um, people that are out there that are ready to do something that are either spending all of their time in pajamas or they're spending all of their time in, in work clothes. Um, I have found in life very few things as rewarding as getting out and helping people. And, and the most is when I'm helping within my strength set. And there are areas that you're probably better at administratively. Um, maybe you're uh, a better host. Um, maybe you make people feel good. And if I was um, thinking about the local church, more than ever, the people around that building, their mental health, their physical health, and their spiritual health are critical in our responsibility. Um, the elderly are isolated. They need people to talk to. Um, they need people to pick up things for those that are, are fearful to go out. We know we have all of the enterprise software in our churches to know how old people are, where they live, um, contact information. We can start uh, immediately, if we haven't yet, to identify and help the elderly. Uh, my business has washed, uh, cleaned the houses of uh, multiple elderly people during this time. Um, and there's something that, that you can do um, to, to help the elderly. Um, if we think about healthcare workers and the frontline workers, um, my wife is a healthcare worker, and a lot of my clients uh, in the consulting arena are healthcare, and it, it has just been an absolutely crazy time. The ambiguity and the fear for what is coming has been overwhelming. The amount of effort that we've done in Ohio enabled us to flatten the curve, and we never saw the rush. Well, I was, we haven't seen the rush that was predicted if we hadn't done those things. And that is fortunate. Our healthcare workers are worn out. Um, they're very stressed. 
Um, they feel isolated. Their faces hurt from wearing masks and uh, face shields uh, all day, every day. Um, their stress is, is elevated because they don't know what's happening next. And, and even in, in medicine where you don't necessarily know what's happening next, you have a routine um, and you get in that routine. And, uh, and they, the healthcare workers have a significant amount of emotional weight. Um, they need friends to process what they're going through. Um, they need each other to talk to. They need forums that they can uh, vent. Um, you know, I think about the group chats that are uh, going around in, in the medical, com medical community or on LinkedIn or on Twitter, and they've created these communities to, to go help. And I, I think it'd be extremely powerful for us as church, for those of you medical professionals who are Christians, to take advantage and, and, and put together groups where we can say, hey, we're, we're going to help these out. The health care is not going to feel uh, um, relieved from this stress until there's a working vaccine on the market um, where we know that we can uh, stem the flow of people or potential people uh, that could get it. So the elderly, uh, the health care, of course, um, there are the people that, that don't have money to, to buy necessary things. And this just isn't in the inner city. Now, don't get me wrong. The inner city has been hit extremely hard. Um, they need our help more than ever. Um, there are areas in our city where, where it, you'd walk around and it doesn't seem like anything's changed, but worse went from bad went to worse. So you certainly can find um, places there to do things. Um, there's a whole list of ministries that you can look up on the Point app, or you can contact Scott McCallum uh, with the Share Mission. He was on an earlier episode, um, and 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 you can go out and do that. There are uh, proportionately a high amount of people in the suburbs who are struggling at this point too. Um, because they aren't working, um, because the stimulus package was hardly enough to, to scratch a, a dent, or they weren't qualified for it at all, and they're living at their means. Um, you know, and not, not saying financially necessarily to go support them, but what is it that you can do to go put your arm around them to help them and to get a bunch of business owners uh, in a group and just today, I, I uh, signed up to host a, a virtual group meeting of professionals at our church to say, hey, wh what, what can we talk about on a regular basis regarding uh, COVID, the PPP CARES Act, um, and, and some of the things that are going around? There are people literally on your street. You know, I can look at the houses across uh, the street from me and the businesses they're, they're involved in. And think, well, you know, what are the needs that, that I'm uh, meeting for them? And if we think about the church and we, we talk about, you know, God talks about in, in Malachi, if we bring the tithes to the storehouse, tithes to the storehouse, the storehouse is the place of distribution from those that have it to those who need it. 
And we have to think about our gatherings, our 1,100 local churches around the city as storehouses, transferring from those who have it to those who need it. Pastors, there are certain realities that we have to face from an investment standpoint, from a cash flow standpoint, that if we're not going to make it, we need to partner with other churches. We need to merge Um, congregations. We need to shut down our ministries so that those um, that are able to go on um, can go on. We have those that have purely transitioned from doing weekend services to doing online services. And, and I know the amount of viewers are up for a lot of the people who are doing that. But what about the actual needs inside their home that are being met? Um, We need to make sure that we're doing that, that we are a storehouse and that we're not a bank um, holding on to that. And and there's there's going to be this year through 2020 increased consolidation, increased consolidation around the failures of businesses, around the failures of ministries, Um, the uh, life cycle of birth. Growth and death is going to be accelerated when the economy remains in turmoil. Uh, I was part of a uh, webinar a couple weeks ago where um, different experts shared with um, with constituents and uh, Christian leaders on what we should be doing with cash, how we should be renegotiating our contracts, what we should be thinking about investments. Um, and, and we really need to be honest with that because we don't know. I mean, we have, may have the constitutional right to meet right now. Uh, Governor DeWine could give us permission in May, June, July. He may not give the secular arena permission until a vaccine is created a year from now. Um, so we have to think not in terms of weeks, but months or a year and and what is the financial model that we have to create to be to to be around a year from now um, th- that our model just two months ago was OK, but now it's not um, the number one thing that will open non-believers to evangelism is seeing two or more churches cooperate to solve a need in the community. I'm going to repeat that. The number one thing that a non-believer would do to be open to the gospel is to see two or more churches partner to help a need in the community. And I've seen a lot of churches doing stuff independently, but there are massive projects around our city that absolutely need multiple churches to get together to do it. And some of this may mean producing an online service. Um, you know, Rock City volunteered their the videography team and their production team to do any church that wanted to get their services online. And within a week or two, zero churches had signed up um, for that opportunity. Now, I don't know what the latest uh, number is, um, But we more than ever have to count on each other for help. We have to count on each other for community. Um, We have to be able to leverage the time that's available to people um, to do good. 
we as leaders have to point to opportunities. I think, you know, we have felt the highest pressure to maintain status quo. And status quo has been abolished. When something like this happens, there is a new status quo. And, you know, some people call, talk about it as the new normal. Um, we can't form, uh, deeply form new character under crisis. It, it mainly is a pressure cooker that reveals how we are. And so as a leader, when you're looking at new ways of meeting, new ways of presenting, new ways of challenging, new ways of funding, I would uh, say try this simple exercise, okay? We know we've done vision statements. We know we've done mission statements. We know what God has called us to do. But go back and treat it as a clean slate Get yourself into a position spiritually where you can say, God, I, I want to go back to the core. I have a chance right now to redefine tradition. That from 2020 moving forward, I can help define what it means to be church in America. And I know you called me to ministry or I know you called me to marketplace ministry. I have felt a tremendous amount of pressure to do it in this way or this format or to fund it this way. You have a time unlike any other, any other, that we can say this is the way we're going to do it moving forward. We have an excuse to change the way our buildings are, change the way our staff is, change the way we're receiving donations, change the way we're cooperating with others, um, change the way that we're asking for help and providing help. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to redefine um, how we are doing that. And the Church of Christ, the Bride of Christ, has the number one, only hope that we can have for the world. The data has shown up until 2020 in the Columbus area across America that church participation, church attendance is decreasing. I've used the statistics many times that every four years, the number of people from the population that leave the church is enough to fill Ohio Stadium. We have the highest emotional need, the highest spiritual need, and the highest physical need that we have had in decades, probably since the 30s. Um, and if we don't reposition ourselves as the hope, as the answer, as the church that has left the building, not just because we can't meet, but because we're finding out what's happening with our neighbor, we're finding out what our community needs, then we have squandered this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I know that even with my overstimulation of flaws that I've seen, that even with the amount of ambiguity that has been in the market, uh, that's been in society, I am overly optimistic about the opportunity that we have right now. That you have right now as an individual to make a significant impact. 
And if we look at just the numbers, if we have one third of the Columbus area are, are believers, that means we only need to impact two other people each. Two other people each. I love Alpha and what they are doing to redefine evangelism in today's uh, modern society. And Jess Gatton, uh, she was a guest um, on the show uh, several months ago. Um, is If you check out Alpha online, um, their groups are, are being started and hosted all over um, just rapid growth. And that's something that you can do just like that. Um, we have search, uh, the Baton exchange. Um, there's so many, uh, evangelism groups that can create community around gospel without, um, shoving the gospel, um, down someone's throat, because we know the two most effective ways research has shown recent research has shown the two most effective ways are one-on-one casual conversation or casual group conversation one that doesn't judge and one that doesn't force a conclusion is the number one. Those are the number, um, the number one thing that we can do, those group of four things, to move people over. Um, that, that's, that's not what the church can do. That's as an individual what we can do. And so there are tons of resources out there. Um, I would like to refer you guys to the For Columbus movement that is happening here. And um, we had several meetings uh, face-to-face. There will be a um, uh, virtual meeting on May 18th um, that will be held. Get tapped into that community so that you know what's happening around our city. We have 2.5 million people in the greater Columbus area. And that is a lot of people lined up side-by-side. Side. We'll go from here to Kansas City on I-70. I mean, that is a lot of people. And we have them right here in our city uh, that young couple that I was volunteering with uh, me for um, one of the, one the hour that they were there uh, wanted to go on a missions trip. And I was telling them about the tens of thousands of refugees that we have right here in our city and how we can do missions trips right here in our city. And if we were, you know, to think about each time we go out as a, as a mission trip that's impacting our community, how amazing that would be. Or some of you maybe want to say, hey, look, I'm going to organize something, okay? I know we have to maintain social distancing. I know we have to have these things, but I know the need, and I want to pull together 10 people, 15 people, uh, 150 people in 15 different groups. Um, we have nonprofits all over our city that are, are, are literally uh, at wits and not knowing how they're going to operate week to week that are begging for your help. Check out the Point app. Uh, with evangelism, check out Alpha, check out Search. Um, there's an opportunity uh, there for you guys um, to do something. So as you're reflecting, as you're saying, what what is my calling? You know, and we, we think about the last thing that Jesus says, and we know the Great Commission, and to go into the world, uh, make uh, creating disciples and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And I did a 50-day series on the commands that Jesus gave us. And if we were to go back to the basics, if we go back to those 50 things that he affirmed, the things that he told us would make the biggest impact. If we were to create a new generation of church, a church of Columbus, 
What could it look like if we were to empower and enable the army of 750,000 believers that we have around this city? And if we can really go from left the building to left the building, we will have the formative experience of a generation. So I just want to thank you for joining me this week as a, as a different week uh, for listening to some of the things that, you know, I was kind of going through uh, during this time. And some of you probably face similar things, but also to be so encouraged that you have what it takes to make a difference in this society, not just for the decade we're in or the decades you're alive, but for a thousand or 10,000 years from now what it's going to mean in eternity for those people who felt the love of Christ, maybe for the first time. And for those that are accepting him and saying, that is the life I want to leave. Those 50 things that he taught us are, are principles that I want to be um, attributes of my personality. So thank you so much for listening this week. Thanks for tuning in. Um, feel free to reach out to you can email me at adam at wewit.com. That's W-I-I-W-T.com and say, hey, I you know, need some help here um, or, or I have some questions about how to get involved here. But just wanted to say, hey, uh, to everyone, thanks for tuning in uh, to this episode. Thanks for tuning in live on Facebook and we will see you later. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Also, Rating and reviewing us on iTunes helps get the word out.